Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, um, and we have a much requested topic today. I think for as long as I've had a podcast, I have had people want to talk about animal chiropractic, and I'm not going to lie. I wasn't excited initially to talk about it because I don't really like animals, and I don't really have a desire to be an animal chiropractor. But I finally had enough questions that I was like, okay, let's dig into like how this all works. Um, not how an adjustment works, but like the business side. Like, so Caitlin Lackey is our guest today. We get into it. I ask lots of questions for you. Don't you worry. Let's see. What is new in my life? So a couple months ago, I joined this thing called Thrifty Traveler. This is not, this is not an ad, not a paid ad. I'm actually going to recommend you don't do this. So if you love travel, like I do, I had a patient who was like, oh my gosh, you don't follow the thrifty traveler. And I was like, no. And she said that she pays for this like annual membership and she gets these emails and you put in like your home city and it'll like tell you like, oh, flights from here to there are super discounted. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So it's been a terrible, terrible thing for Kirby and I, because about four times a week, I'm like, Kirby, did you know that right now we could get flights to Switzerland sometime between October and March for $500? Um, Kirby, did you know we could fly to Hawaii for like $275? Um, okay, well, that was pre-fires. I bet you could get a lot cheaper now. No, probably more expensive. Anyways, I'm not going on any of them. He wants me to cancel it. I'm not going to, um, but it is just like, it's a terrible, terrible thing. If you just have like a tiny bit of ADHD and love to travel, I don't recommend it. Um, okay. I also have another story for you. And I was going to ask Kirby if this was like appropriate for me to tell on the podcast or not, but he's gone. He's not in the room. So it's just you and me. So I'm going to tell the story. Okay. But like, don't one rules. Okay. You're not allowed to judge me because part of what you love about me is that I'm honest and raw and broken. Um, two, you're not allowed to report me. 
Okay. Do I have your interest? Okay. So like a week or two ago, I, you know, was having a real stressful day. I don't need to justify to you why I did it. Listen. So I have a uh, vape pen and it's not nicotine in there. Okay. We'll just say that. And so I'm like, all right, it's seven 30. Okay. I'm going to go do that. I'm like, Oh, I'm all nice and relaxed. And about an hour later, I, you know, getting, maybe it was a little later. Cause I'm like getting ready for bed. I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do to like really intensify this awesome sleep I'm going to have. I'm going to also take a melatonin. So I go into our bathroom where my kids melatonin is. Cause I don't have melatonin. I don't take it. And she has melatonin gummies. So I take a melatonin gummy and I was like, that is delicious. I should take a second one. I'm an adult. This is only one and a half milligrams. I can handle more than one. So I take a couple other melatonin gummies. I'm like, all right, I think I can take like up to five milligrams. I don't know. And then I see her vitamin D gummies. (laughs) If you're following along, you should understand why these gummies are sounding and tasting so delicious. So there's like a thousand milligrams each. And I'm like, well, I can, I can have 10,000 milligrams of vitamin D. So I pound like 10 of my kids, vitamin D gummies. Then we got to her magnesium gummies and I'm like doing math. Cause each one is like 83 milligrams. And I'm like, okay, if I take too many, I'll get diarrhea. So So I'm like calculating how many magnesium gummies. I think I ended up eating like 20 some different flavored gummies of multivitamins and supplements of some sort because I had the munchies. So yeah, so don't get the munchies and then go to your, I was trying to be health conscious, okay? If I'd have just gone to the kitchen first, but you know, so then I'm laying in bed starting to get a little paranoid because vape pens. And, um, I'm like, what if I, what if I took too much of something? Could I overdose? What if you overdosed on supplements because you were high and had the munchies and took like an entire bottle of vitamin D gummies or whatever. I don't think it's possible, but I was laying in bed going, okay, I definitely didn't take enough to overdose, but that could have been bad. More realistically, like what if I had just gone to town on the melatonin or the magnesium and then I had really bad diarrhea because I took way too much magnesium. So there's my story. Those are my updates. Um, Reminder that right now, Elise Rigney's Cairo Intensive, um, she's onboarding for that. I have had some people reach out and say, what is the difference between Cairo intensive and the multi-passionate chiropreneur? Um, and you know, Elise and I have actually talked about this. I've taken her course and it's a fantastic course. Um, there's a lot of differences, but what I will tell you is both courses are really focused on like clearing up systems, helping somebody with finances and allowing them to have more freedom. So like both courses, nail chiropractic systems, scaling finances and like freedom. But, you know, I think the differences are going to be, you know, time of year. So hers runs Q4, my runs, mine runs Q1. 
but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you get there. Like, and then I will definitely say as somebody who has taken both courses, if you've taken one, I don't think it would be overlap at all to take the other one the next year. That's kind of why Elise has been so incredibly supportive of me starting my own is because she's like, there's going to be people who've taken Cairo intensive who, you know, two years ago who want or something more this year. And, you know, you, you can say the same things at a different point in somebody's life and it's going to mean something different. And so if you've taken lots of courses, you know exactly what I mean. Um, if you haven't, well, then you'll just have to trust me. They're both awesome. They're both really similar, but both very different. Ta-da. That's, that's my awesome sales pitch. Uh, I think I have a link somewhere for Cairo intensive that I will find and I'll put in the show notes. All right listener highlight. So this one is from Steph Gates and it was on August of this year and it's five stars and it says favorite podcast. Dr. Lauren is the best. I just love her overall vibe and attitude and truly get something out of every episode. She's funny, witty, raw, which is what I think we all need while navigating life and practice when things can get super stressful and hectic. You didn't see it, but when she was listing the compliments, I, if, unless you're watching on YouTube, I flicked my hair. Um, Dr. Lauren makes learning the ins and outs of business fun again, would give she slays 10 stars if I could. And then she put like 10 little stars. Um, so thank you so much Steph for rating the podcast. I know that most of you listen on Apple and I know that most of you have not left a review. So if you wouldn't mind, if you like this episode, or if you've listened to an episode recently that you really liked one, I would love if you left a review, it helps Apple know that other people should listen. And then, you know, you could share if you wanted to just, just saying you could not, not twisting your arm. All right. Today. So after three head injuries, horseback riding, you'd think the girl would learn a lesson. Jeez, no. Dr. Katie is innately aware of the benefits chiropractic has when it comes to the human body. It was fate when she found the field of animal chiropractic as it allowed her to serve her passion of being around animals while staying congruent with her holistic health philosophy. Growing an animal practice has been Dr. Katie's greatest endeavor, and it is with great privilege that she has built a resource for other animal chiropractors to come together to grow and learn so that they can better serve their patients. So I'm excited for this uh, episode. Also, if you have, this is the first episode you've listened to, go back and listen to last week's episode um, on tracking your numbers. It has been getting definitely a lot more social media uh, credit, no shout outs, things like that. I've gotten a lot of DMS. Um, it really resonated with people. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go do that. But maybe after you listen to this one, oh my gosh, there's a moth flying around. See, if you were watching on YouTube, you would have seen a moth fly into my face right there. Okay. Let's pray. Like get your shit together, people. And pray. All right. Take a breath in and out. God, there is, seems to be so much happening right now. Um, I don't know if it's just personally, but I do know that anytime I am vulnerable and share what I'm going through personally, other people really resonate with that. And so I think it's fair to say that this week right now, maybe it's Mercury in retrograde, maybe some other planets in retrograde. I don't know what it is, um, but there's just been a pull for growth. 
and you are so amazing. But one thing, I know you're perfect. I know you're perfect. So this isn't a judgment, but I will point out that you do like to teach people lessons the hard way when I feel like you could just like snap your fingers and like download it the easy way. It's fine. You're in control. I'm not, you're not seeking um, opinions or feedback, but knowing that we're in a time of growth usually means that lessons are happening all around us, small, big. Um, and I think that they're there to test us and really make sure that we're in alignment with what we think is important, what we say is important, what we feel is important and just continue to grow us. I think that we have this timeline that I want to become a better person. And that is going to happen in 2023. And I think the reality is that your timeline is our entire experience on this earth. And so I know we can get so frustrated where it's like, I have been working on this for five years, for 10 years. I'm 37 this year. How am I not farther along on this journey with this? And like, you just look at us and you're like, Oh, little thing. You have so much more life left and so much more time and lessons to learn what I have to teach you. So for anybody who's going through it right now and maybe beating up on themselves that they're not where they want to be, just remind them of that timeline and allow them to grant themselves the grace, speak to themselves the way you would speak to them. In your name we pray. Amen. And also sorry if you don't like vape pens, God. Amen. All right. So without further ado, I have Dr. Caitlin Lackey on and we're talking about chiropractic for animals. Enjoy. Okay. Well, Hey Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you Uh, so much for having me. You listen to She Slays a lot. Yes. I was listening to it this morning. So do you know your Enneagram type? Were you prepared for this question? I don't know my Enneagram type. I know um, filtering people you can only come on the podcast if you. <laughs> I have, I know my DISC, I'm a C on the DISC. And then okay. my Enneagram type is I don't pay attention to other uh, okay. personality tests unless they're mine. So I'm yeah. a driver. Okay. Is that what the D stands for, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Driver. Yeah. So I have no idea what C stands for because it wasn't me. <laughs> D is the complex or cerebral. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no Yeah. Detail. I completely see why I glazed over that then because I have like <laughs> I might have like zero and is is the S like sympathy or something like that? Uh, social, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it might be sympathy. I'm not quite sure of the one other. One of those is I like S. someone who has empathy and mm-hmm. didn't do well in that one either. So no, I didn't do well in that one either. <laughs> okay, so how long have you been in practice? When did you graduate? Yeah, so I went through Parker, I did a human doctorate program, and then I did their additional animal chiropractic CE course at Parker. So I'm a double Parker grad, if you will. I graduated in 2017, and then I got my ABCA certificate in the June following after. It was really interesting. You didn't take it while you're a student, so they don't give you your animal certification until you're licensed in the state where you want to practice. So I had to wait, I think, like six to eight months to know if I was, um, if I passed the ABCA test. Um, so I was ready to go um, probably in 2018, June 2018, I was practicing as a human associate in a high volume practice, which we can get talking about that if you want. Um, high volume practice, didn't love it. Um, I did that for two, two and a half years. I have questions. I already have questions. Okay, okay. go ahead. <laughs> so when you, 
went into chiropractic school. Yeah. Did you know that you wanted to adjust on animals? Yes. Okay. And in your pre-chiropractic school brain, mm-hmm. was this going to be like 50-50? Was this going to be like, because I imagine you would have gone because vets can become like, okay, so this is literally my understanding. A chiropractor can get a little vetty or a vet can get a little chiroy, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so why did you choose chiropractic yeah. over like vet school then? Yeah, I think a lot of people ask that question because there are a lot of um, people coming through chiropractic school that want to specify um, and work on animals only, which is kind of the route I wanted to take. Not to say I don't like working on people, I do, but traditional medicine failed me. Um, I've had three head injuries. I was a horseback rider for 14 years and I've had several concussions. And um, when I went through the traditional medical model, I just saw that their answer was medication and that didn't jive well with me. I went to a neurologist and she literally told me the pain's all in your head, go enjoy the rest of your life. And I was 24 and she was recommending very, very um, heavy prescription pain medication that I didn't want to get addicted to. So fast forward a little bit, found chiropractic. It really jived with me. And then I was at a crossroads where I said, I love animals, but I don't love, you know, traditional Western med. And from what I could tell of Western med working in the veterinary field, I didn't want to do that. It didn't, it wasn't congruent with my philosophy on how I took care of myself or my family members, my four-legged family members, especially And I just know that I'm not brave enough or strong enough to euthanize or cut open animals for a living. Um, So I chose to do physical medicine instead. I also briefly thought I want to be a physical therapist. I've always just kind of been a hands-on kind of person. But I think my, my background as being a horseback rider, seeing how horses are directly impacted through their rider, their performance, and then also seeing our four-legged companions not having the same options as people are afforded really drove me to want to specialize in animals only. So I'd say I see 90% um, animals right now and only about 10% humans. And that was in this, is this kind of like an ideal mix for you? Uh, Yeah, everyone's different though. I have some people in my course that um, I call them multi-passionate chiropreneurs where they like working. Uh, That's actually trademark. That's mine. (laughs) they like working in human medicine and then they also like working in animals and I don't like to call it dabble but I personally feel like every chiropractor that wants to work on animals full-time should be able to do so there's absolutely a market out there for it back to the vet thing do you know you probably do but um that female so female veterinarians are the highest suicide rate of all health professions it's true yeah like that just is I mean it really um you know as a chiro- you know as a pediatric chiropractor you know I see lots of little kids and things and uh you know the ones that are really loving like pretending to adjust and I you know plant that seed of like you should be a chiropractor when you grow up and and when the parent because kids love their teachers and animals and so like, you know, well, I'm going to be a teacher. Or I'm going to be a vet. And so anytime that I have a parent that's like, oh, she's going to be a vet. I like, I'm very socially awkward. And so I don't know how to handle like things like that, where it's like, this is a lighthearted moment, Lauren. You are not about to take this very serious and in a weird, dark direction and say, you should advise her against that. Like make her, you know, I just feel like, 
well, there's animal chiropractic. So maybe we can have the best of both worlds. It's unfortunate, but it absolutely is a reality. Um, I think especially during the pandemic, we noticed this, that um, owners are demanding and more people got pets and uh, traditional Western medicine isn't equipped to handle all these chronic health conditions we're seeing like cancer. I can't even tell you how many pets, like I think over 80% of pets have cancer over age 10. It's ridiculous, right? We're seeing pets with chronic musculoskeletal problems. I don't know anyone's thoughts are on inflammation and stuff like that, but we're seeing a lot of joint pain, um, in my opinion, due to dietary concerns, environmental concerns, and vets just aren't equipped to handle the onslaught of all these pets dealing with chronic conditions. And chiropractors, we're lifestyle medicine. That's like our bread and butter. That's what we do, right? We inspire people to live healthy lives. And that's just kind of like who we are. And um, I find a lot of veterinarians find a, um, a safe haven in practicing chiropractic because they, I don't want to say they have an escape, but it's more holistic. It's more congruent with their lifestyle. And it's also the, I personally feel like the owners and the, the, uh, the clients that come to see you are more interested in proactive care than reactive care. And that lends for a better work-life balance, in my opinion. So my heart goes out to all the veterinarians in my group because I'm not brave enough, nor am I strong enough to deal with that. I personally struggle with depression myself. And I just knew I wasn't going to put my myself in a place where that might be exacerbated. It's It's the perfect breeding ground for having mental health issues, I personally feel like. So it's funny the questions you ask that are like, well, this is like a question that we ask in pediatric are is chronic health conditions for animals increasing or are people just becoming more obsessive about their pets? I don't know the answer to that. I don't have a research study to quote. Is there, well, are there more, there's gotta be chronic health stats on animals. Yeah. Cause like we um, know we're getting sicker. We yeah. know, you know, those rates. In my opinion, it's both. I feel like more people are choosing to have pets than they are choosing to have children. And uh, we could have a different discussion on that, why that is. But I personally feel like there are more chronic conditions too. Like, I feel like it's a mixture of both. Most of the pet parents, like ideal client-wise that choose me, um, are wanting to be more proactive with their animal's health. They see them struggling with their mobility and they don't want to look to medicine. And that's one of those things where there are all these other options that humans have, you know, acupuncture and physical therapy and massage. And like when they go to the vet office, it's, you know, you want some drugs, you want some euthanasia, you know, those are your options or surgery maybe, but financially, I'm finding that most pet parents don't want to invest a lot of money in surgical interventions. They're looking for holistic options. So I can only speak for my practice, but I'm feeling like I'm seeing a lot of chronic health stuff come up and uh, I am finding more owners are interested in proactive versus reactive means. And it makes sense that like the trends we see, okay, like if we look at the trends as why, why are we seeing sicker humans? Um, well, I don't think that animals are on social media and, or in technology. So we'll remove that aspect that I do think really contributes to our mental health, but like, yeah, it's in inflammatory diet, inflammatory lifestyle. You know, I think it's idealistic to think back to like what, you know, people had animals when they had land and the animals would run around and eat squirrel bits and stuff like that, you know, but like now it's like, out of a bag and you sit in the apartment while mom goes to work and a lot like 
So I would imagine that a lot of the stuff that contributes to R, is there like breeding stuff that's different though? Like, are we just like, I would imagine that that is one of the factors that goes into of just like purebreds aren't like purebreds, just like a nightmare for breeding. It's multifactorial. Um, so very, you know, when, when you have someone, I, I want to call that is playing God who is changing your anatomy and your genetics. Um, you know, as you're progressing down the Darwinism species evolution, there's going to be hiccups and missteps as we choose looks versus function. Um, so that's absolutely a component. There's also sedentary lifestyle, inflammatory lifestyle that you were talking about. Dogs were designed actually to be outside. Go figure. They're not designed to sit in an apartment. Same for horses. They're designed to be roaming more than 14 to 20 miles a day. And then they sit in the stall for eight to 10 hours. You know, it is not their normal environment. Sometimes what we're asking them to do for our pleasure and our companionship. However, you know, it is our job to advocate for those that don't have a voice. And I I know you absolutely can resonate with that working with babies because they don't have the voice and sometimes it's your your role as a practitioner to talk to the person in charge of that living being and saying hey you can do better and I'm here to help you with that mm -hmm. you've used the term proactive a couple times and so when I think of being proactive I picture looking at my golden retriever and she's two years old or she will be in October and being like, you seem like you don't have any issues. I'm going to pay a chiropractor anyways. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about people who are noticing things earlier and saying like, we don't want this to get worse. We don't want surgery. We don't want things like that. Well, there's two sides to that as well. When you think of proactive, you get the completely like, I want to do everything I can for this animal. And even though I'm not noticing any signs or symptoms, I definitely want to add an animal chiropractor my, to my team. And I have people like that. They're mostly chiropractors pets. Actually, I treat a couple of chiropractors pets. Um, and then I get the other side of the equation where they notice behaviorally, the pet's not quite right, although they can't put their finger on it. So it's interesting about pets is um, a common survey they did among pet owners. I think a vet school did this. I, I can find you the quote to it. Over 80% of pet owners thinks that a pet's not in pain unless they vocalize. So that means screaming or crying or groaning. And that's not true. For animals, actually, we notice a change in behavior. So I have a 11-year-old lab and he won't play with his toys. He won't trip on the bed. He will, you know, walk sometimes a little bit different. It's small and subtle things he will avoid doing because they cause pain. So this is your person who, yeah, it hurts right here. They're pointing to a specific area versus mm, I'm just not going to lift my shoulder that much because I know it hurts on a subconscious level, but I don't know how to verbalize that. That's what animals do when they're in pain. And sometimes pet owners, when they've been around their animal for a long time, they're like, something's just not right. And he can't tell me what it is, but I'm going to look for someone who can tell me why they're doing that or why they're not quite right. So I get two types of proactive. I get the complete, I call them wellness versus maintenance, right? Where I have these wellness people that absolutely no complaint. I can't find anything wrong with the animal, but they choose to identify and fix those subluxations, if you will, early. And then I also have pet parents with a specific, like, I'm not quite sure what the, or non-specific non complaint. I'm not quite sure, but I know something's not right, but he's not clinical enough for the vet to find anything wrong. So I'm going to introduce someone intermediary before this progresses to a, a drugs or surgery or um, something more, you know, inner 
intervention wise. Um, I want to choose something proactive instead of reactive when the problem gets worse. So are you, so I'm thinking to like the vet program or like, you know, the animal chiropractic program that you did is the focus on like, they do they, is it like cats, dogs, and horses? Is that like kind of the gist? Dogs and horses mainly. Nobody cares about their cats. I work on cats. I can't speak for everyone else. They're not the most delightful patient because they don't really enjoy it. It's like taking a kid to a dentist. It's just, it helps you, but you hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in theory, you can extrapolate a lot of your knowledge um, from the dogs and the horses. And then there are additional courses like livestock adjusting um, that is offered. But uh, most, most pet parents will ask you to work on a domesticated species. So those are your dogs and your horses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then do you, do you have a preference? So you're a mobile chiropractor. That's correct. So I'm assuming that like, and you love horses, mm-hmm. so like you go to this training, you get the dogs and horses. What does an exam look like? <laughs> yeah. It depends on every animal. Like I, I do actually have paperwork that I do where yeah. I ask the pet parent, what's going on? What are you, you noticing? birth history? I'm sorry. You ask about their birth history? Oh no, no, no! I have some you ask, uh, like, dog breeders. Were they with mom or like any of these like <laughs> no. social emotional elements that we would ask no. about? No, no nothing okay. like that. Yeah, okay. It's mainly behavior, but um, I I actually God kind of laughed at me where when the pandemic happened, um, because horse people are more performance based. If if they're not performing, they don't really need you, quote unquote. Um, and actually, I get most. Most people find me for their dogs. So I actually see mostly dog patients right now. And um, what happens with a new patient exam is, is I'll come in and I'll ask the owner, what have you been noticing with, with Fluffy? And, and they'll go through, well, he won't do stairs. He won't jump in the car or he's limping or they'll go through usually their complaints. If it's wellness, it's a little bit short-winded. You know, I don't know. I just want to get him started on proactive wellness care. That's the chiropractor's pet, right? But when I have a, a, a normal, normal, quote unquote, normal patient that's wanting to come see me, they usually have some kind of not quite rightisms, as I call it. And I'll explore that with the owner. And then we'll talk through goals because a lot of these pets are chronic cesspools of lots and lots and lots of different things happening together. So, well, he's had this surgery and he's had irritable bowel syndrome and he has skin allergies. And then, oh, he also limps sometimes. So I'm, I'm wading through all these different things. I'm saying this is what's actually attainable with chiropractic care. So we'll talk about expectations and then I'll do a palpatory exam, uh, very similar to a palpatory uh, chiropractic exam. You'll feel along the patient's spine, <laughs> their extremities, find restricted range of motion, find any heat and tenderness. You'll find any, you know, maybe orthopedic stuff going on. Um, and then I usually involve my owners. So this is advocating for your, your uh, pet here by involving the pet parent. You're saying, look, this doesn't move as much as the other side. Like I'll take a cookie in front of a dog's nose and I'll ask them to turn their head towards their hip. And usually one side, they won't go as far as the other. Or I'll be palpating along um, the mid to low back and I'll say, look, do you see this response? Like dogs actually have a very thin muscle under their fur that will contract. It's called the paniculus response. Um, and dogs in areas of tenderness will over contract. It's called a hyperpaniculus response. Um, and you will be able to see right there, that's where the ouchie is. And owners can see that. 
Um, sometimes I'll have them feel, look, do you feel how this is hot and swollen? Do you feel how this muscle is really tight? I try and get them as involved as possible so I can communicate, look, I adjusted, look, that went away. So they immediately see the magic trick, if you will, of chiropractic. And I have pretty good results with that as far as communication goes, but it's just advocating for the dog so that way they don't use vocalization or behavior changes or only metric of my animals in pain. Yeah. So then what does, so like I'm thinking about like a patient that I might have that's got anxiety, IBS, and then they finally call because their mid-back hurts. Okay. And so within human chiropractic, we know we can impact the brain. I would imagine that I, I first of all, I'm going to go out on a limb and say nobody's spending money on research on animal chiropractic. I'm just going to say, I'm guessing like the fact that Heidi Havoc is doing what she's doing for human chiropractic is unique. We probably don't have it for animals, correct? They have a couple of animal chiropractic research studies going on right now. It's actually in Canada. I don't want to speak for my uh, one of my colleagues, but there are some studies going on right now. There's actually some vet research um, going on as well at the University of Colorado. So there are some, but it's mostly in relate um, in relation to structural function yeah. Yeah. and algometry and stuff like that. So yeah. objective measures. It's not yeah. like let me check this person's neurological function. Right, right, right. And that that makes sense that it would be like improved performance, kind of like where chiropractic research started out for humans. But so I would imagine though that an adjustment by a trained animal chiropractor. I almost wanted to add chiropractor-ist to the end of that. <laughs> Don't know why. Don't know why. An animal chiropractor would deliver the same type of brain improvement that a human adjustment would cause, right? Like you would imagine that as well. I can't quantify it. Like I said, I don't have a research study for it. However, I do. I call them positive side effects, right? How many of you have you had a good- P-A-W? Please tell me you spell it P-A-W. You don't. P-A-W? Yeah, positive. Oh, <laughs> I call it a good side effect. Yeah, um, I should call it a P-A-W-S um, positive. I'll even effect. give you that one. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have negative side effects with medication. I tell owners of chiropractic what's really cool, although anecdotal. I don't have a research study for this. I do notice some pet parents will tell me my pet is digesting better since you started working on them. They don't have as many skin allergies that I can tell. They're not licking and chewing at a certain part. And I think that's from nerve pain. Maybe they're not licking and chewing at their legs. They can get sciatic and nerve pain just like us. Um, I also will notice uh, maybe they have improved time in their performance. So running in the agility ring or running around barrels or something like that, they have improved performance. It, it can be any number of positive side effects, if you will. Although the main goal for chiropractors working on animals is improved function of the musculoskeletal system. We kind of, it's weird because we're working on humans, that. you know, we're, we're very much a, a portal of entry care provider, but when working on animals, I call myself a specialist because my main job is to cater to just that system, the musculoskeletal system. It is not really my job to work on anything outside of that. Um, I'm kind of working together with the vet um, in complement to what they are doing to help an animal achieve their best health and performance. Okay. So then for a care plan, what does a symptomatic care plan look like for so okay so first of all let me clarify what I heard you just say basically if you've got a dog that's limping and they also happen to have anxiety 
you would develop a care plan about the limping and function and not really approach the anxiety aspect. And like the parent, the dog parent might go like, we've noticed better anxiety, but that's not what you're designing the care plan. Correct. Yeah. Do any animal chiropractors do that? I'm sorry? Do any animal chiropractors really? There are some that work on extraneous. I call them extraneous, not to say that I don't think they're valuable, but they work on additional uh, metrics. I would, I would feel like most people will call you for something going on with the musculoskeletal system. So that's the primary goal. And I tell everybody, don't be afraid to add multiple professionals to your pet's care team. If they need a behaviorist in addition to an animal chiropractor, that's great. You know, a dog trainer, that's great. Maybe they also need a rehab professional, a surgeon. You know, you're allowed to have more than one person working on your pet. And it also takes a lot of stress off you. You don't have to know everything, right? It's okay to co-manage. But as far as like what kind of care plan I recommend, it just depends. What is the owner's goal, right? If they have an acute complaint, I might see them more often, like once a week. If they have a, a performance complaint, I just want to enable them to be more healthy. I might start every two weeks, every three weeks. If I have um, someone who's just wanting to maintain their pet's progress, I might do once a month. Um, I personally see most maintenance clients about every four to six weeks. Sometimes if they're younger, a puppy wellness, eight weeks, like four times a year. Um, but it just depends on the owner and their goals. If you have a really acute complaint, it's not overdoing it to see a pet once a week. If they're paralyzed or screaming twice a week, absolutely. But it's one of those things where chiropractic's really cool. You see results pretty fast. I've had paralyzed dogs walk again. I've had horses that are supposed to be retired, go back to work. It's one of those things that's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm wondering why, um, so like, oh, back in human world, um, you know, so obviously if I, if we're working more nervous system stuff, like it makes sense that it's like, yep, it's three times a week for multiple months, but even somebody who's got, let's say, you know, sciatic pain or like a really locked up SI joint, let's just go even simpler. I can deliver a freaking fantastic like, oh yeah, just like side posture adjustment or whatever technique, like I can deliver an amazing adjustment, but it doesn't usually last. Like I would still need to see someone if they like had, like, I'm, I'm totally good. I just have this locked up SI joint. How many adjustments do you think before this is going to like be great or whatever? I would say, God, you're probably looking at a minimum of six type of thing like you know do you think that animal chiropractic works I I love that I'm just asking you these super theoretical questions that you're like I don't freaking know Lauren but we're here for a conversation and you have to answer um so like why why do why can a care plan be like once a week for an animal but then an adult or a human like it just needs more. Is there just more like, do we think it's the nervous system stress of like, well, being a human is more complex. It's everything between the ears. <laughs> it is. I'm stressed about my kids. I'm stressed about my mortgage payment. I'm stressed about work. Pets don't have that. They don't worry about everyone else. Their only job is to survive another day, right? So their main goal is to get better. And this is part of the thing that's really cool about working on kids versus adults. I'm, I'm sure you see this. They don't care. 
that it hurts. They're like, I want to go back and play with my trucks. And dogs are the same way. I want to go back and play with my toys. That's all I care about. I don't care about my mortgage payment. I don't have chronic pain. I only have the objective of getting better, right? And the emotional component, you know, BJ Palmer actually had an animal clinic. I don't know if anyone knows that. Petra Solward teaches a, a course on that, where he used to adjust animals to prove that chiropractic worked because there's no placebo effect. You don't whisper in an animal's ear, hey, walk a little bit better after I adjust you. It just works, right? So there's not the mental component. And I feel that's why they hold their adjustment much better. Now with environmental stuff, if you change some of the environment, like, hey, playing fetch is actually detrimental to your dog's joints. He's been limping. Maybe don't do that. Like if we change some environmental things, just like you change it for people, like maybe don't look down at your cell phone for six hours a day. Maybe then your neck will feel better. A lot of the ergonomics bit, you make a couple of changes with that. You uh, deliver a great adjustment. You give some home exercises maybe. And that's the recipe for success. As long as you don't have all the stress in the equation. Okay. Are you ready to talk about some business stuff? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. So I have always looked at mobile because you're mobile, right? Which makes sense if you like working on horses. Like I could see, so um, the woman who came and did her like T10 internship with me before she started her practice, she now has like a side of her building, which is like for animal chiropractic and they just, you know, she doesn't do mobile. But I would imagine that that is mostly dogs, like horses. I can't, that would be, yeah. So with mobile chiropractic, can you get really wealthy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Like, That's really a valid question. That and can you like, make a living? How do I ask this? And I couldn't. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, people are actually fairly surprised when I tell them that on a part-time basis, I'm actually making a full-time salary. And um, I'm just going to shamelessly enter a plug here. I have a calculator on how much you need to charge for your time. Um, so that way you can take inventory of your expenses. Okay, gas bill is really expensive right now. Gasoline prices are through the roof right now. But um, when we factor in how much time we're spending with a client, it, it's just, you know, boutique practice versus high volume. You know, you're delivering a, a better quality experience, maybe seeing less patients and charging more money. It's just, it's math. How much do you want to charge? How much time you have available? And how much is it going to be to make the income you want? It's just an Excel spreadsheet. That's all it is. Do you see a lot of, because like I imagine, all right, if I'm driving out to this farm and it's 20 minutes from here and I'm going to be there, because I mean, how long you got to be there? A half hour, hour? How long are you there? Assuming it's not a new patient. It depends. Again, it depends. Everyone's different on their type of experience they want. I would say for most house call patients, I spend an hour, not with the patient, but I spend an hour, 30 minutes driving there, 20 minutes for the appointment, 10 minutes for notes, you know? So it's one of those things where you just have to factor in how much time am I willing to put into an appointment? And I know for horse people, I have people that book like two week routes and then they're off for a week and then two week routes and then they're off for a week. I personally don't do that. I just travel my one little Metroplex um, and I go in vet offices too. So I do house calls and I'm kind of a hybrid where I work out of vet offices. So pets do come to me as well. Um, it's one of those things where you create the practice that you want. And for some people, 
it's exhausting traveling. I'm not going to negate that. It's hard, but you also get a lot of personal time to yourself. Um, and that can be nice if you're an introvert where you need a break between clients. So it's just, what do you want? Let's create the practice of your dreams. And some people like doing mobile practice. I, there's a whole group about mobile human chiropractic, right? So it's a lot of um, people choose to do mobile animal chiropractic because of the ease of access. And also they want a part-time practice that they can move around their life and their goals. And um, it's also, you know, one of those things where, you know, it's, they can create their own schedule. So, well, and I mean, talk about an untapped niche of like, I, you know, when I just look to like social media of like the amount of money that can be made, like, you know, sure. Let's say that somebody's like, yeah, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year being an animal chiropractor, you know, being like, okay, well, here's X, Y, Z, here's what you're going to need to do, you know, work backwards. Um, overhead is sure as hell low. God, that's gotta be nice. You know, that's the other thing that like, you know, I think about with that, or I rarely think about when I'm thinking about like mobile chiropractors being like, God, if I was going to spend an hour, I would have to charge blah, blah, blah. But I'll also in the same, you know, breath, think back to a time where I was practicing in like 500 square feet. I had one front desk. I was seeing a fraction of the number of people, but I was just making bank because like the overhead is like, so when you look at like, oh, wow, that overhead, you do have gas, but like, hmm, that would be nice. I had a point I was going, oh, Anyways, I'm like, shit, I lost my point. All right, so let's say someone's like, yes, I want to make, you know, I want to bring in $100,000. I'd be like, okay, revenue or profit, easier to get there with animal chiropractic because of like the low overhead tech, well, maybe not easier. But then the potential to like add on beyond the adjustment of just like with the training, because like you, you have courses for people, right? to like become animal, or not become animal chiropractors, but like help coach them in their business. And I'm the, I'm the intermediate step. So you do your human doctorate or your veterinary degree. Then you go to your animal chiropractic CE course. They, they call it a certification course, right? Um, and you learn everything you need to do with your hands-on skills. Well, then what, right? How do I grow my business, right? So that's kind of the void I look to fill because when I first started my business, I felt like I was on an island. I didn't know how to do this. Uh, human chiropractic coaching didn't really work for me because there's a veterinary referral process where I have to ask a vet for permission to work on a patient. That's another issue we can dive into if you want. And then I had to focus on how to build relationships, how to build my systems, how to have a great customer experience. And I'm an introvert. I don't know how to do any of this, right? And it required a lot of energy for me to figure those things out. So I've been practicing now for five years and I've learned a lot making mistakes. And I just want to give back to my colleagues who are coming out of their animal program and they're like, great, where are all my patients? But they're not necessarily taking the steps to have a successful business. So I'm like the behind the scenes person where here's what you need to do. Here's your blueprint. Um, so that way, I'm not going to tell you how to run your practice, but I'm going to ask you the right questions so you can formulate a plan that's going to work for you. Yeah, I, we're going to come back to this vet thing, but I'll just like kind of cap it off with like, as somebody who has really gone down a rabbit hole of like personal branding and 
under like because I'm just obsessed with learning how things work right like it's why I warn my guests of like is there anything off topic because I don't know what I'm gonna ask today like I just want to know and so the last two years of really like watching social media and like content creators and like taking some courses on like well what do you charge or what what's the standard charge for like promoting to an audience and like learning all that stuff your niche is so early but like there is probably good money to be made with um just repping a brand that you believe in obviously like no content creator is going to be like oh yeah I do it for the paycheck but I don't believe it but like just even in like supplements and food and things like that like you the money that's possible over in that other end so like you could have a chiropractor an animal chiropractor bringing in a really healthy income with animals. But if that's what they love and they do well on social media, you could easily add an additional six figures. I say easy, air quotes easy to like making sure you focus on that brand and like going to companies and being like, yeah, I'm the intermediary. Like you want, you know, this health advice. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Well, what about the I, I didn't do it for the money. Sure. I mean, I actually pay money to host my podcast. I pay money to host my course. I do it as a passion project because basically what happens, you've probably noticed this, female chiropractors, most animal chiropractors are actually female. I don't know if you knew that. Most of them are. And um, 80% of my demographic are women. So because of that, because of either compassion fatigue or wanting to start family mom guilt, whatever it may be, starting a practice can be so overwhelming that you stop practicing. And that bothers me because I know how busy I am. I know how many animals need care. And if you stop practicing because it's too hard for you to figure it out, then the animals aren't getting care. And that's really, it gets under my skin because oh, I know how you're many- You're mad that the animals aren't getting care. I am yes. sitting over here because this is like, yeah, this is something that's really been relevant in my brain and heart the last year of just like, we've got too many women leaving chiropractic. Yeah, that's absolutely a big issue that I'm finding. Yeah, Yeah. because they're not, they see, they're just not happy. Like they've built a practice to make an income. You know, like it's it's hard. They didn't build a practice to make an income. But like, listen, when you're coming out with debt, like the fact of the matter is, is that this is a really hard emotionally profession. It's extremely rewarding. But you come out with debt and like, I don't want to say you deserve because that's an icky word. Nobody deserves any income. But when you've put this time in and you help people and you have an impact that the way you do, and then you have this debt, it's just not fair to be, you know, struggling to pay your bills. And so like, when you look at a lot of the people leaving, it's because they're like, I, I make 60 grand. I don't know how to make ends meet doing this, this, or this. Like I can literally go get a job and get a $20,000 a year raise. And so like, that's really bent. I'm glad that your concern is like, but the animals need chiropractic. And I'm like, dude, let's figure out how you can do the chiropractic that you want. And if that's where, and that's where I get kind of like nosy and down this like personal brand. Cause it's like, if you only want to see 10 horses a week, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> maybe that's a lot. Is that a lot? 
physically about 10 horses a day is like okay okay that's that seems like a lot 10 horses a day seems like a lot of driving and whatever but you know so if build the practice you want but then if you're like well I still need more than that there's these other avenues so so yeah well the money piece is actually the easiest piece believe it or not because when you get out of your own way about you know I'm an analysis by paralysis person I'm like oh my god there's so many things I have to do and I just get so worried about all these things that I don't actually do anything right because I want to do them perfectly but when you get the mindset out out of the equation and you just there's no insurance right there's no employees there's no overhead it's really quite simple you just have to figure out how many patients do i want to see how much time do i have available and how much do i want to charge right and then what are my expenses and you work backwards from there i don't try and tell anyone how to run their practice some people want to do it full-time some people want to do it part-time some people want to be mobile some people want to dabble and have it you know like you said a room in the back that they see animals out of it's not my place to tell you how to run your practice all I want to tell you is your mindset's in the way you can make good money seeing animals because like you said there's not a lot of people doing it ethically in my opinion there are some lay people that say they offer animal chiropractic I don't know if you want to go down that road but if you're offering quality animal chiropractic care and you're showing your value to the owner, showing your value to the referring veterinarians, it is amazing at how many people are going to find you and want care for their animals. It is really not one of those things where you have to work hard because there are not enough of us. In my uh, Metroplex that I'm in, Dallas-Fort Worth, there's only like 30 listed providers, 30. That's how many dentists are in one town. Now think of a whole Metroplex with like 5 million people right? That's not enough providers, period, considering almost every house has two or more animals, right? Well, and if if you work in, <laughs> okay, so I imagine what you can check, because like, I picture if I live in Dallas, and I have a horse, yeah, yeah, I you're probably rolling up onto a mansion, whereas like up in Northwoods, Wisconsin, I'm like, oh, this is a farm, this is a farm type of thing, so well, demographics play a role where you have to say, what what are the people in my area actually wanting, right? You have to serve that need based upon what you actually want to offer, right? And I, I tell everyone success is, you know, it's, it's just you filling your bucket. Some people, that's money. You want to make a lot of money. That's fine. If you use that as your metric, some people want it to be quality time with their family. I want to have 20 hours a week with my daughter or my son. That's fine. What is your metric? Is it quality time? Is it money? Is it having personal time? Like a successful practice doesn't mean that you see hundreds upon hundreds of patients a month. That's not what it has to be about. It has to be, am I fulfilled and congruent with my purpose based upon the life I wanted for myself? Money is just a byproduct product or the service that you offer and whether you want to make a little or a lot as long as you are enjoying the career that you're in that's what I want to help people do so they stay in the profession I don't care how many animals you treat that just that you keep treating them because they need you okay so where can people find more of you Yeah. So I have a specific animal chiropractic podcast. It's completely for free. I actually pay money to host it. Um, And it was actually ironic that I started a podcast because I absolutely am a huge introvert. I hate talking to people and people kept calling me asking for advice. So maybe if I pre-record the FAQs, people will stop calling me. That's a joke. (laughs) Um, So I have a podcast. It's called Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. And then my heart felt... 
felt like I needed to offer more than that because I kept getting more questions and I needed to offer more than that. So I then also made what I call the business basics course. It's everything you need to know uh, prior to starting an animal chiropractic business. Uh, I have some amazing chiropractors and vets that are in that course. I've done a couple of testimonial podcasts, if you will, about people's experience with it. Um, and then I'm also trying to come up uh, I'm not I'm not sure if I should release this yet, but I am working on a new project where I'm coming up with a clinical everything you need to know prior to being an animal chiropractor. So here's how to do an exam. Here's the most common conditions you're going to see. Here's how I treat it. You know, so it's very much of like you're asking me how often should I treat? I'm going to answer that. You're going to ask me where should I adjust? I'm going to answer that. So it's very much a I don't want to call it hand holding, but it's like here's everything I know from my five years and let me compact it into a course so that way you can use it for your business. Yeah, my husband loves when I announce things live on a podcast that like I are not fully baked out and I'm like and uh, I'm just going to take right now to announce that I'm working on this other thing. So now I'm going to have a bunch of people holding me accountable for that. So that's actually a good thing to have people yeah. hold you accountable so you don't flake out on them. Right, you know? exactly. You're like, well, shit, now I have to do it. And I completely, I, um, I completely understand the coursing because like once you start sharing information about something, you do start getting a lot of DMs and they tend to be a lot of the same thing. And like you know, it's, I think it's just really smart. So awesome. Well, uh, go check out making strides in chiropractic and you can, like I said, you can have that whole, uh, positive effect joke, but, uh, Lots to put it on a t-shirt, right? As long as you don't put multi-passionate chiropractor on a t-shirt, we'll be fine. No. <laughs> I think that's your term. I'm sorry. Yeah, if I yeah. That's all right. That's all right. I'll, I'll let you know. So, all right. Thank you so much, Dr. Katie. I really appreciated this. Thanks for letting me get nosy too. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I'm not about to become an animal person. That's fine. It's not for the faint of heart. I get bitten. I get kicked. I get, I got pooped on the other day, I'm which I'm sure <laughs> happens to you. <laughs> I, said, huh? I said, I get pooped on and bitten in pediatric chiropractic. But okay. So it's the same, not you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's also very emotional because you do lose patients a lot. Oh. Um, pets die. That's part of it. Um, and they don't live as long as humans. So that's another part, it's not for everyone. You know, I thought being an animal chiropractor, I wouldn't be around death as much. Um, but I'm still there for my patients in every walk of life and golden years. I'm here for it. You know, they deserve to enjoy a life comfortable without being over-medicated and I can serve that niche. Absolutely. You're clearly passionate about it. And I think that's awesome. So oh, thanks. So <laughs> life is too short. <laughs> All right. Chief Slayers until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, 
so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.